0: Hey, this is Hunter Henry of the LA Chargers, and you're listening to the Full 10 Yards Podcast. Hey, we're rolling, we're rolling. We drive all day. All all day, day. day Stay tuned, man. We got something special to be on today. You're listening to the Full 10 Yards Podcast. To the 10, right to the 5, scooting in for the score. Touchdown. Yeah! Yes, welcome in everyone to a very special edition of the Full 10 Yards NFL Podcast, Podcast 200 on the Full 10 Yards Network. Happy, is it happy birthday to us? I don't really know if that's what you you kind of call it. But in order to celebrate on the podcast, we have not one, not two, not three, not four, but five people here for you today, bestowing their knowledge uh, on the NFL Week 14 slate of games. So let's all welcome them in. Sean, uh, how are you doing, buddy? You okay? Browns loss? All good?
1: Yeah, all good, mate. Used to that now. The only team in the NFL without a winning season this decade. So why we'll change the have over a lifetime, mate? I'm all
2: good apart from that, buddy. Thank you. <laughs> yeah.
0: Lawrence. so the uh, Washington Redskins going to have a winning season in the next decade?
2: As long as they do one thing. And I'm going to start the campaign. Well, it's already started. She's firing general manager Bruce Allen.
0: It's mm. Got to be done. Mm. Good luck with that. And uh, you and obviously uh, Houston are pretty good at winning seasons, probably in the, more in the near near future than uh, previous. But um, big win for you boys.
3: Yeah, not too bad. It was uh, ruined the, uh, the slip ups of the easy games and see to win the hard ones, but uh, not
4: too bad.
0: Yeah, we will get to those. And Adam, um, I can't really, I don't really know what to say about the Bengals. Uh, how are you doing, All right?
4: Yeah we're going to get a first pick which is, uh, <laughs> which is pretty good yeah. two uh, two games ahead again though yeah thanks to um the the giants won didn't they so two yeah. games ahead uh, yeah, two games <laughs> ahead in the race ahead.
0: for Joe Burrow. Yeah, always putting a positive spin on a thing, Adam, that's why I love
4: it. That's me, I'm, I'm known for my positivity. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Okay, uh, this is what today's podcast looks like. First down, we will go through the main television games, spend a bit more time on those, breaking those down. So we've got the Baltimore game from Thursday night, the Houston, Tennessee, LA Rams, Dallas game, and Buffalo-Pittsburgh from Sunday night football. Second down, we'll be going through the rest of the slate of games in week 14, giving you a quick gloss over for that. You know, you've know, got to give some Bengals... And some Washington Redskins some airtime, I suppose. Third down is going to be a double helping of stats life, and Jason Garrett corner, um, where we give you some bit of fun, bit of stats, because um, yeah. That's, uh, that's what the NFL is all about. And then on fourth down, we're going to go through the playoff picture like we have done over the last couple of weeks and then go around the table and see what everyone fancies for the seedings and um, see if, there's, yeah, if it's going to change or maybe the Rams or Eagles uh, or the Titans. Maybe um, they're pretty much the only ones that are on the outside looking in. And then two-minute warning is everything for 10 yards. So with that in mind, the prize, the giveaway that we got, quite a decent for, uh, retweet and uh, decent uh, exposure. Really appreciate it one uh, retweeting uh, that and putting eyes peeled in the comments never seen so many eyes peeled in all my life so it was uh, it was dream th- stuff of dreams uh, but the winner of the prize is at tgp73 uh, also known as tgp is the ginger prince so andy dalton i don't know if that's you mate but uh, i suppose adam at least the bengals have won something this year <laughs> yeah
4: yeah was, uh, we'll take all we can get
0: <laughs> do, you, do you know him
4: uh, no no not not, andy dalton, um... not
0: not Andy dalton, but there we go yeah so
4: no, um... As you said, could quite well be um, a Bengals fan.
0: Who knows? Who knows? Anyway, the ginger prince, you are the winner of the uh, NFL UK kind of mini, little mini helmet and the mini ball as well. So get in touch with us, uh, hit us a DM or tweet us uh, at Full10Yards and we will get that sent out to you just in time for Christmas. You have exactly one week to do that. Otherwise, we will uh, redraw and no one wants to do a redraw, do they? Start doing the whole, uh, doing another general election. But enough about that. Let's get on. (laughs) Let's get on to first down. First down. Okay, first down. Of course, always starts off with first night football. And uh, Baltimore Ravens demolishing the New York Jets. Few records tumbling along the way as well. Sean, give us the all the details.
1: Yeah, almost well, first look because you, know, you could pretty much record this next couple of minutes of the podcast, and we can just drop it in next week. it's becoming a very familiar tale, isn't it? With the Baltimore Ravens as they now have ten consecutive wins. And again, but they established the run early. A lot of talk going into this one was, you know, could the New York Jets, who'd had a pretty decent run defence, up to this point contain the Ravens? Well that was pretty much annihilated in the first quarter when ninety nine rushing yards were already on the board for the Ravens. They ended up with over two hundred on the contest. And big congratulations to Lawrence's favourite man
2: crush, of course, Lamar Jackson. Yeah. Who,
0: did you did you did you like a candle a candle or two, Lawrence?
2: Oh, I did more than that, but let's not, not talk about it on the podcast.
0: Okay.
2: But, yeah, I, I certainly celebrated.
0: Well, he
1: finished this one with 86 rushing yards to obviously move ahead in the um, standings as far as single rushing yards in the season for a quarterback, beating Michael Vick's long standing record. And, obviously, he's still got a couple of games to go. So, as we've alluded to, he's going to obliterate what was the existing record. Uh, but yet again, it's actually his arm that dominates this one as he throws another five touchdowns through the air. In an offense that you know pretty much everyone knows what you're going to get, you're going to get plenty of run game and you're going to get plenty of production through the middle of the field. But even though people know it's going to happen, everyone seems to have a really hard time stopping it. Uh, this one was out of order early on, really. To be honest, it was never a contest. It was 35-7 to going into the fourth quarter. Uh, so don't let the final scoreline actually, you know, make you think this was anything other than a blowout. Um, the Ravens completely coasted in this one. Only surprise for me, if I'm being honest, is the fact that um, Lamar Jackson stayed in the game for as long mm. as he did. Yeah, um, I was a little bit surprised by that. Um, I, I, I you know, fully expected RG three to get a lot more reps and. Um, I think it's almost pretty certain now. I think they can probably clinch the number one seed and home field advantage this weekend, certainly. But obviously, with owning the tiebreaker over New England, they're not far away from getting that done anyway. Um, so that was the only surprise, really. Mm. Just touch on the Jets outside of Jamison Crowder, who again completely dominates the targets from Sam Darnold. Um, he was targeted a massive 11 times in this one. and had himself a fairly nice game with six receptions, 90 yards and a couple of touchdowns. It feels like yet another lost season for the Jets and another season where the word, horrible word, rebuild seems to be high on everybody's agenda. Um, but after an off season, again, of plenty of promise, obviously losing Sam Darnold for a portion of the season hasn't helped, but it's going to be another losing season um, and plenty of questions for the Jets to answer. Um, but for the Ravens, obviously, all things looking towards the playoffs now and certainly a team that nobody's going to want to come up against. Like I say, they haven't now lost since September.
0: Mm, absolutely indeed. And say, uh, yeah, one of those teams that could be facing them are uh, Houston at Tennessee uh, also took place at the weekend. Ewan, uh, big Houston fan, obviously. Uh, how many how many nails did you buy?
3: Not many, really. I think if it, if it hadn't been two turnovers in the red zone, I think it would have been a lot bigger gap. Mm. Uh, it was 24-21. Texans, the uh, Houston front seven did a really good job of holding out the, the run of uh, Tennessee and kept Derek Hendry under under 100 yards uh, for the first time uh, in a long time of this season. The uh, Houston, Houston offense ran for over 100 yards the first time since Christian McCaffrey in week six, so that, that was a big swinging factor in the game. a um, blocked field goal early from defensive tackle, Angela Blackston. Um, kind of swung some momentum. And then the biggest play of the game, I think, which led to um, the Texans taking a, into a 14-0 uh, lead at halftime was uh, linebacker Justin Reed knocks the ball out and Whitney Mercer runs it for eight, eight over 80-some yards into uh set, set up the Texans in the red zone. Kenny Still scores two touchdowns in, in the first half, 14-0 at halftime. Um, and the Texans' defence stood pretty, pretty firm all day, really, against... Uh, um, against Tannehill I think with a lack of run game and uh, kind of showed kind of showed some flaws in their in their approach. And uh, a team that had been red hot coming into this, it looked like they were searching uh, for ideas. The return of Will Fuller again make, changes this offense, changes Watson and the way they play. Uh, found Fuller in, in deep, then Watson. What he described was a, through a, a, a dumb turnover in the, uh, there was it looked like it was almost triple covers, didn't get enough loft, and the ball would drop it in the back of the end zone, um, and the, uh, the Titans go up the other end and, and score, and it was, um, drew it level, and then the, the real, the real sort of uh, killer of the game was uh, Deshaun pieces together a long drive, and Carlos Hyde takes it in for yet another touchdown this season, uh, which means Houston are now only the second team after the Cowboys uh, this season. to have a a 3,500 passer, a 1,000-yard receiver, and a 1,000-yard rusher Uh, this season. uh, Houston got a late field goal, didn't quite take enough time off the clock. Um, The the Titans had the ball back briefly, tried an onside kick um, after some confusion with the referees, as always. And... uh, uh, and if, if Houston could just piece together a mild bit of pass rush and not turn it on the red zone, it probably would have been quite a comfortable one. But um, but again, it's a divisional matchup, so they always they'd always become pretty close. There's a f- level of familiarity there between mm. the two. Mm. And uh, yeah, big win for the Texans, leaves them at the top of the AFC South. All to do um, against Tampa Bay on the Saturday game next week. But mm. uh, it was a, a, a contest that, uh, that, that much needed win uh, at a key time of the season.
0: Mm. Absolutely, and they, those two teams get to renew rivalries in Week 17 as well. So not to, not too long to rest there between those two teams. But is the damage all done? Go on.
2: Tim, can I just give a quick little bit of love to Jonu Smith? You can. For, for two plays in that game. I know it was, it was a huge Texans win, but for Jonu Smith, two things that stuck out watching that game. He had the longest run for a tight end in something like 30 odd years. He had a 60 yard 40, run.
3: He was 43, 43 years, I think.
2: Yeah. And then on top of it, that Whitley Mer- worthless return, it was Johnny Smith who got the tackle to prevent the touchdown. So just a little bit of love to um, to Johnny. Mm. I think as well, coming to that game, is uh, A.J. Browns, a serious wide receiver.
3: Mm. Uh, yeah, he's, he's good. Yeah. For our rookies, I think there's been a lot of rookies this season. They've all come in uh, right across the league uh, at that position, which has not traditionally happened in, in performed.
0: No, he's everything that they wanted Corey Davis to be, didn't they, to be quite honest. So, um, yeah. Yeah, okay. As I say, they'll be uh, facing off each other in a couple of weeks. Time, LA Rams at Dallas. Obviously, a uh, repeat of the divisional game from last year. Dallas put into Lane's uh, rest. That ghost, um yeah. Pretty, I mean, as a Dallas fan, you... Yeah. All the str- all the trials and tribulations over the last month or so, uh, watching Absolute Tosh um, take take the field. Uh, we, we'll get to the coin flip debacle a bit later, but um, this is probably one of the most comfortable uh, Dallas games that I've I've watched in, in a long, long time. Absolutely obliterating the Rams in the first half. Um, yeah, if you've got a, a, an offensive line and a ground game as good as Dallas, when you've got Tony Pollard going for twelve carries, one hundred thirty-one and one. I know that most of that's in garbage time, but Zeke on twenty-four carries, one hundred seventeen yards and two. Why, like it just beggars belief why they go away from the run game like they did in the second quarter I think it was last week um, and in, in previous games as well yeah, Zeke is one of the best running backs in the league yeah, I'm not going out on a limb on that one but you've got someone like him behind that offensive line why would you know establish the run in the first quarter why then go away from it but anyway more about Jarrett, Jason Garrett a bit later on um, one of the highlight rails in this one was a lovely one-handed catch by Jason Witten uh, rolling back the years there uh, Tavon Austin as well, wide, wide open I don't think he's ever been that wide open uh, of course a revenge game for him but like I say, yeah, Zeke's show second half um, Yeah, Rams couldn't really mount a comeback Goff obviously took a bit of a hit to his hand on an on offensive line's helmet from a throw uh, could, didn't really recover from that as well but uh, Rams struggling to, to get anything going at all to be quite part of this Dallas actually uh, creating turnovers in this one I mean what a world we live in when that happens um short fields I mean we used to starting starting drives in, in our own 10 yard from our own 10 yard line so um yeah like I say putting putting laid to rest the divisional game from last year I still I still believe and I know I'm a Cowboys fan but we we really won that game last year if Zeke converts that that four one but only Cowboys fans remember that uh, especially me but anyway yeah Dallas now move to seven and seven uh, with the Eagles but know yeah, they get that big game next week uh, at Lincoln Financial Field it was always going to be it's always going to come down to that anyway so this game uh, I w- I won't say it's a dead rubber because obviously now. You know, it's a bit more, yeah, momentum's always a good thing in the NFL. Uh, It's always good to get a win under your belt, especially a convincing one like this against a team and a coach like Sean McVay and the Rams. Um, So, yeah, big game, big game next week on on the horizon. So looking forward to that one. Uh, I'm not sure many people that like attacking football were were looking forward to Sunday night football, but Lawrence, uh, Buffalo at Pittsburgh, uh, visitors come out on top.
2: Yeah, when a 590-kilogram Buffalo takes on a 2-kilogram duck, (laughs) <laughs> There's only ever going to be one winner. So, again, yeah, this, this might have been small on the scoreboard, but it was absolutely monumental in terms of achievement for the Buffalo Bills, who have punched their ticket into the playoffs for the second time in three years, considering they went two decades without a playoff appearance. To do two in three years is a remarkable achievement. And I take back what I said about Sean McDermott at the start of the season when I said he was one of those coaches on the hot seat mm. after he had a losing record last year. Do you remember our conversation? I do. Many moons ago. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that that was one that we disagreed on. So I'll, I'll tip my hat to, to you and I'll tip my hat to Sherm- Sean McDermott for proving and, and getting the absolute most out of Josh Allen. Mm. Um, Josh Allen, he did have a pretty poor passing performance, only had one touchdown. But that touchdown in the fourth quarter to tight end Tyler Croft turned out to be the winner. He also had a rushing touchdown, which was his ninth on the ground this year. He's two ahead of Lamar Jackson and Deshaun Watson in terms of quarterbacks running for touchdowns. And that touchdown itself was an absolutely beautiful run fake and he had the entire left-hand side of the end zone free, as if he kind of just released a, a Brussels sprout gas bomb in the vicinity. <laughs> um, the, uh, it, was a, it was a really fantastic display from the Bills' secondary. I've spoke about them um, pretty much all season. They, they have been incredible, and I, and I hope they get the recognition in terms of the end-of-season honours, the kind of all-pro, pro-bowl teams. They, they really do deserve it. Four interceptions. I mean, it's not too tough against Duck Hodges, but still four interceptions in any game is is great. Um, White had two, Poyer had one, and, and Levi Wallace had one as well. Steelers had absolutely no success running the ball, 51 yards in total, just over three a pop. For the Bills, Devin Singletree again looked good didn't break one I think his longest was about 15 yards but he kept the chains moving with with 87 on the ground I mean Bill's mafia are going to be extremely happy whilst I think the steel curtain are going to be nervously waiting in that weird twin Peaks lounge with the man who talks backwards mm. kind of awaiting their fate in the playoffs
0: yeah, absolutely. It, it beggars belief how the Pittsburgh Steelers have, have managed to hold on to that six seed for for seemingly months now. But um, yeah, we'll say we'll break that all down a bit later on in the show. There you are, are your TV games for Week 14. Don't forget, obviously, the Colts uh, travel to the Saints tonight in uh, Monday Night Football. So obviously, we can't talk about that one yet because we don't know. But um, before we move to second down predictions for tonight's game, I've got I've I've
2: got I've got the Saints winning handsomely by 14 to 17.
4: There you
0: go. All right. That is, let's move on to 2nd Down and get through the rest of these games. 2nd Down. Okay, time for 2nd Down. Adam, welcome into the podcast. You can uh, <laughs> you can tell us all about the uh, New England Patriots and the Cincinnati Bengals.
4: Yeah, um, actually not too much of a depressing game. The Bengals were leading um, till just before halftime, um, 10-7 uh, up till then. Uh, Joe Mixon looked brilliant. We were dominating on the ground. Mixon and Bernard both had pretty good games. Mixon had his second 100-yard game in a row. Um, I believe he's the second Bengals player in quite a while um, with Jeremy Hill to go over 135 yards in consecutive games. Mm. Um, He finished with 136 from 25 carries, uh, long of 29. And once again, he was making people miss in the backfield, turning losses into into big gains and looking really, really damn good. Um, Keith and Carter, the Bengals' fourth string tight end, third or fourth string tight end, caught his first pass of his career and it was for a touchdown. Not a bad way to start. Um, But the Patriots obviously ran out, winners in the end. Um, James White scored quite early on, wide open um, reception for 23 yards, ran in quite easily with no one around him. Um, It was was a really weird game up until halftime and then second half, I think it's about the fourth or fifth game in a row that but, <clears throat> excuse me, the Bengals have failed to score in the third quarter of a game, which just seems ridiculous. I can only assume it's down to coaching and that they're not making adjustments and not dealing with adjustments that are made on them. Um, yeah, the, the Patriots ran away with it in the second half. Andy Dalton threw four interceptions, two um, to, to um, Stefan Gilmore, who took it to six on the season, uh, level with Tredavious White. Um, that's... That's about it, to be honest. The game uh, the game turned on um, a fumbled um, kick return by Alex Erickson. We'd managed to get them three and out, stopped them, um, got a the kickoff, went to him, and he fumbled it on the 20-yard line and gave Patriots a fairly easy score to end the half. And after that, it was one-way traffic, really. Mm. But to be fair, overall, it wasn't a disappointing game. I was quite impressed with the running game. No. Um, so I have a lovely stat later on uh, mm. based on this game, which I'll say for that. Uh, And Keel Harry scored again. Uh, Rex Burkhead finished the game with a 33-yard run, but that shouldn't have counted because we were screwed by the
0: refs. (laughs) (laughs) Screwed by the refs? What? They're England Patriots. They got one against them last week, so that's 10 years uh, locked in, isn't it?
4: Yeah, it it evened out. And uh, yeah, the interceptions, it was almost like the Patriots knew exactly what play was coming Mm. uh, on a few of them.
0: Who'd have thought? Yeah, thought it's almost as if they filmed them or something? Good
4: in the team last week. Yeah, yes.
0: yeah. i was about to say Andy Dalton shouldn't get himself too down. He's just won a prize, so um, yeah, there is that. <laughs> He'll be happy. <laughs> moving, moving on. Baker Mayfield's not winning any prizes this season. Sean, uh, tell us about how they struggled in Arizona.
1: Oh, awful, mate. Absolutely awful. Let's uh, let let's do it in reverse rather than be moaning all the time. Let's say what a what a great day for you, Kenyon Drake. Um, four touchdowns on the day For the Arizona running back And I think it's official now that David Johnson Is done in Arizona um, Kenyon Drake had a, a monster game In this one for a, a Cardinals Offense that just moved the ball at will uh, Against an extremely porous Browns defence, rushing wise 226 yards on the ground for Arizona And Kyler Murray Looked an awful lot better um, Than the fellow number one pick of the previous Draft, Baker Mayfield Who game high wide and not very handsome on a number of his throws, and continually seeming to be forcing the ball uh, towards Beckham in you know double and triple coverage at times, and you know, outside of Nick Chubb, um, quite possibly one of the most disappointing seasons. In terms of actual production against Hype in the off-season, um, Ricky Seals-Jones has been quite the last few weeks. He had a, nice, mm, had a nice couple of touchdowns in this one, um, as David Njoku was sat down as a healthy scratch. Um, I don't know if there's a bit of a power struggle going on now, to be honest, between John Dorsey and Nonny wanting his guys on the field. and um, There's obviously a lot of reports around unrest in terms of Freddie Kitchens and whether he's going to be moved on. There was a report out that they're going to stick with him. I, I would suggest that the Browns have pretty much quit on him, to be honest, looking at the performance yesterday. Mm. Um, you've got receivers that are just, you know, laughing and lollygagging around on the bench, essentially. You know, they'd rather be anywhere but Cleveland by the look of it.
0: Sean, so, sorry, sorry, it's about him. What did you make of all the, the reports going around? Obviously, all the <laughs> Jarvis Landry and all the rest of the receivers you know, shouting to the Cardinals, come get me. I mean, if you're going to go to one stadium in the AFL, you don't really want to be doing it at the Cardinals, do you?
1: Yeah, I've, look, there's obviously a lot of frustration, you know. Let's face it, You know, people had crowned the Browns as Super Bowl champions before a ball was kicked off this year. And, you know, no one's going to try and make it sound anything other than what it is. And that's been an utter disappointment for the year. Uh, The offense hasn't clicked. They haven't got any sort of regularity or production out of the receiving game. Like I say, outside of Nick Chubb, who's been phenomenal, the rest of the offense has really struggled. They've struggled on the line to keep Mayfield protected. And, you know, I know a lot of Browns fans don't want to admit this, but unfortunately, I I will say it as I see, he's regressed awfully this year. Um, He needs to take a long, hard look at himself um, because he's, you know, like I say, really gone backwards and he's unfortunately part of the problem. I know everybody will want to blame it elsewhere, uh, but he's very much part of the problem. He can be part of the solution. He's proved, you know, in, in terms of his rookie season that he's got ability. Um, but I think the writing's on the wall, mate. To be honest, they will be moving on in the off-season. I don't care how many reports come out between now and then. Mm. Um, it's a disaster, absolute disaster. And unfortunately, it looks like uh, a bit of a clearing of house job is going to happen once again.
0: Mm. Why, can't, why can't the Cleveland Browns turn it around? It's really strange, isn't it? Uh, anyway, you can um, rest assured, uh, Sean, at some point, Cleveland Browns will be in the playoffs. Maybe not in your lifetime, but...
1: <laughs> Fingers crossed, mate.
0: <laughs> right, uh, moving on. Lawrence, uh, You're, uh, I'm not going to say your beloved San Francisco 49ers, but uh, yeah, Atlanta at San Francisco, this was a, a hell of a finish in this one.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's it's a bitter loss for the 49ers, but they did still manage to secure a playoff spot. So I think they're, they're kind of mighty relieved at the end of this one. If the playoffs were to be today This see the Niners actually as a wild card team and the Seahawks as the, um, the the divisional rivals in the number one seed that's obviously if the playoffs were right now because we've got the Saints Monday night football just like the 49ers I lost my full 10 fantasy matchup but Tim you know it's time don't you
0: what order that sandwich
2: yeah yeah <laughs> two weeks two weeks to go and it's there my, my sandwich is guaranteed, so I'm a, I'm a happy man there. I'll, so I'll
0: get that order on, mate. You're not uh, allergic to bets. sesame seeds, are
2: you? Oh, no, 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 no. It's, it's, <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. Um, I mean, bets aside, the 49ers are really gambling their playoff seed in a way here. You know, you, you, you'd think that with the quality of their defence that they've got, I think one thing that I did find interesting is that they in terms of their cornerbacks, that is a bit of a weakness at the moment. They, they seem to be down to, to second string as a, um, in the corner. I mean, both teams did start really slowly. The Falcons and the 49ers opening quarter was scoreless before Julio Jones caught his first touchdown. I think something like eight games. I think it's his second longest career drought without a touchdown. So that was obviously, you know, that was pretty happy for, pretty happy for Julio. Either side of the half, you got two Robbie Gould field goals, 13 10 to the 49ers going into the fourth quarter. You're thinking this is, this is going to be a nail biter, but looks like the 49ers are going to squeeze this one out with their defense. They're not going to concede many more than the 10 they have in the first three quarters. Jimmy G tried to hand off to, um, fullback Carl used got stuffed but thought no I've, I've, I've given you a, a little bit of a bone I'll give you another bone and then he threw him a, um, a little touchdown so they take a 19 to 10 lead Robbie Gould misses the extra point and you know I've, I've always got this thing about missing extra points so I see it as a as a really bad omen about kind of things to happen and and there we go five minutes left now. Falcons scored what was supposed to be a a meaningless kind of compensatory touchdown just for people betting. It kind of meant that the score was closer. Um, Ollison went in from one. The Niners then take almost three and a half minutes of the clock. Gould got his third field goal, a five-point lead with under two minutes left, and a 49ers defence ahead of them, led by... um, Nick Bosa, who's, who's been outstanding and is going to run away with Defensive Rookie of the Year. And then Falcons quarterback Matt Ryan pulls off one of the best two-minute drills that we've seen this entire season, if not the past couple of seasons. Ten plays, 70 yards, go-ahead score to tight end Austin Hooper, but it kind of bounces off his ankles and his thighs and everything. He's ruled a, ruled no touchdown. Third and five from the five-yard line. Julio catches the ball. It's judged that he's been tackled at the one-yard line. As soon as they did the first replay parallel with the end zone, you could see he clearly got the ball mm. over the goal line. Um, it was it was no doubt then. As soon as they, they did that, they didn't even have to do multiple angles. As soon as they did that side on one, bang, touchdown. They, they they'd get the um, one-point lead. And then the miracle... Lateral plan where you kind of, you know, where it goes everywhere, which way, but loose complete disaster by the 49ers. And then backup receiver Olomidi Zacchaeus recovered a fumble for a touchdown, giving the Falcons a seven point win. Mm. And I've, I've, I've tried to look it up, but I can't really find anything on this. How many teams can genuinely say they've scored two touchdowns in the last five seconds of a game? Mm. I really don't know. I, I don't think I've ever seen it. I could be wrong, but I, I can't I can't think of any any kind of anything springing to mind mm. with two touchdowns in five seconds.
0: Didn't uh, didn't the 49ers do it earlier in the season? Vaguely remember. I va- someone go and check that. Go and check. Someone go and check it. Uh, I vaguely remember some they 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 stole a win what uh, a couple of weeks ago or maybe a month or two ago now and then they they scored a defensive touchdown at the end as well because I was playing the San Francisco 49ers defense in fantasy. That's the only reason I remember. But anyway, nothing. Uh, so go, you you go you go and search that out, and I'm going to ask you to talk about the Denver Kansas City game.
3: Yeah, it was it was a snowy one in in uh, in Missouri, uh, Kansas City, walking out 23 three winners. Uh, there was more snow angels than hail marys in this one, as the conditions dictated the play and uh, much of the and much of the proceedings. Drew Lock and the Denver uh, offense couldn't quite adjust uh, to the conditions; weren't able to move the ball uh, on the on the Kansas City offense and then Mahomes and uh and Tyreek Hill seemed to combine for two scores on the day uh, and were able to were able to find a way to move the ball despite the conditions. Um uh, there was, wasn't much of a uh wasn't much of a contest after uh, nine nine forty five in the third. It was the last score that was that was made by either t- by either team. Uh the particular two point attempt where Mahomes is just is moving around and it looks as if He's, a, he's in an ice rink with it with the, with the yeah, defenders and Sue trying to trying to to uh, to chase him down as, as the as the game went on as I said Tyreek Hill scored again and then the, both teams traded a couple of late interceptions. The, Justin Simmons having a Pro Bowl year at safety and then rookie Wan Thornhill also got a, a pick um, from Locke as well. Mahomes and, and the Chiefs rounded into form at a nice time, looking that they've improved on defense. And uh, as, as they look at the playoff, still currently in, sitting in the third slot in the AFC uh, uh, seedings. Uh, Mahomes is now, uh, let 17, 300-yard passing game, which is tied with Kirk Warner as the fastest to do that in three seasons.
0: Very good indeed, yes. Um, yeah. Easy, easy as you like there for Kansas City. Let's move over to the NFC North. The 7 and 7 Chicago Bears came, went over to Lambeau Field, 11 and 3. Just like opening night, low scoring affair between the two teams. Slightly better than though than that one, than, than the 10 3 at uh, uh, Soldier Field. Green Bay take this one 21 to 13. Uh, great here, are the game drive charts for the first half, ladies and gentlemen. Punt, 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 touchdown, punt, punt. Turnover on downs, turnover on downs, field goal, turnover on downs, interception. How about that for a first half? By how the mighty teams have fallen. Uh, Devante Adams opened the scoring on this one, carrying a Bears' defender pretty much with him into the end zone. Couple of Aaron Jones touchdowns in the third quarter put the game out of sight uh, for the Bears, because we know the Bears can't score more than 20. Only done it five times this season. That's been the problem. Defense can no longer bear them out. Can't get pressure on the quarterback, and then that, you know, on, the, on offense, we've you know. Or their struggles uh, for the majority of the season, unless they're playing the Cowboys. Uh, Bears' final drive got to the Packers 34, uh, got within uh, kind of striking distance, only eight points down, but a couple of fumbles, a couple of laterals later, um, almost found its way into the end zone, but it wasn't to be. Packers uh, quite definitely flattered by their 11-3 record and the current number two seed as we record this, but the Bears probably even more so flattered by their 7-7 and record. So yeah two teams um still probably uh, even with the packers 11-3 still have a lot of question marks to answer sean let's go over to carolina where seattle take the w
1: yeah and it was a a bit of a nice bounce back game for Tyler lockett in this one we've talked that he's gone a bit quiet but he had a, a nice day in this one um getting back in sync with Russell Wilson. Quarterback on the other side of the field hasn't been in sync with the offence for a few weeks now and outside of Christian McCaffrey, who took over 50% of all of the offensive touches in this one for the Panthers. It was another difficult day at the office for Kyle Allen. He will allegedly now head to the bench as the Panthers finally decide to see what they've got in Will Greer. So we'll keep an eye on that one as we get towards Thursday's pod. Uh, This was a game that Seattle were up early. And a comeback was threatened essentially after a Bobby Wagner injury, which will be huge to keep an eye on as we obviously get towards um, the number one seed being confirmed and, and who's going to be playing who in the playoffs. Bobby Wagner, obviously a massive part in the middle of that Seattle defense. And despite a number of other injuries, you would say he's probably the heartbeat of that unit. And when he went down, a couple of touchdowns in garbage time. um, you know, in this one actually made the scoreboard a lot more interesting than it perhaps should have been. A couple of other notes in this one. Um, nice, consistent day for Chris Carson, 133 yards and a couple of touchdowns. He's gone over 1,000 yards for the season now. And Josh Gordon had a couple of highlight plays in this one. He actually attempted a pass um, and caught a absolute beauty of a 58-yarder. And it's the kind of play that, you know, in his standout season, if you like, of 2013. Josh Gordon was making with regularity and it's probably the kind of thing that people have always clung on to in terms of his ability and could he actually reach those dizzy heights again? (laughs) Dizzy heights. Very dizzy indeed tonight because once again, unfortunately, (laughs) the breaking news is Josh Gordon is once again suspended indefinitely for further breaches of the drugs and alcohol policy within the NFL. So... I would be amazed if he gets a further opportunity. Nah. He's already a cat who's had more than his nine lives. Mm. I don't think he'll be back. Um, but I don't think it'll be a huge loss to Seattle. It was, it was a bit of an afterthought in the offence anyway. Like I say, if Tyler Lockett can continue to produce with the consistency he did on Sunday, and obviously DK Metcalf, a nice foil on the opposite side, I think Seattle will be just fine. And obviously, um, we'll get to the playoffs later, back in control of their own destiny following the results this weekend.
0: Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Indeed. Okay, Adam, talk talk to us about uh, Minnesota Vikings and their defense feasting.
4: Yeah, yeah. Seven uh, seven turnovers for the Vikings was pretty much the way they won this game. Uh, the numbers in the boxcar really don't show too much, so it must have been a lot of short fields for them. Uh, Melvin Gordon fumbled twice. Hunter Henry fumbled once. Phil Withers fumbled fumbled once as well, and threw three interceptions. He's, so... fumbled, he's
0: fumbled a lot more than that. That's why he's got nine kids.
4: Hey. Uh, yeah. he, know, he knows what he's doing in that area. Um, yeah, the, it looks like the defensive touchdown uh, for the Vikings just for half time was the main turning point in this one. Um, the turnovers, as I mentioned, there's a, there was a lot of them. They scored 20 points off of those turnovers uh, from the 39-10 result. That's uh, obviously quite a fair bit. Uh, Dalvin Cook went out again. Apparently, it was the opposite shoulder to his previous injury. Um, and he said he should be fine to carry on playing next week. But it's a bit of a worry that that's two games in a row now. Um, the former Cincinnati bearcat Mike Boone, scored twice um, <laughs> in the running game. Um, I saw them celebrating him earlier as if it was uh, all to do with them. Um, so if uh, Mattison remains out, I can't even remember why he was out, to be honest. But um, if he remains out, then I'd imagine it'll be Boone, Abdullah. And, um that's well, about it in the running game, unfortunately, for them. But uh, Mike Boone obviously showed he could do it.
0: Bring back um, so Matt Asiata. From...
4: Yeah, yeah, bring back <laughs> Asiata. Yeah, he, he was good. Or um, so Zach he... Zenner, get him back. Yeah. I'm sure he's available somewhere. Um, so, yeah, Boone scored two on the ground. They scored a defensive touchdown. Irv Smith Jr. scored the opener. I was actually awake for that bit, so I remember watching that bit. Uh, that was quite early on. Um, the Yeah, the... The Chargers couldn't really get it going due to their mistakes. Uh, I mean, Rivers still somehow uh, he completed twenty-eight of thirty-nine to his own team, and then obviously three to the opposition. <laughs> so he completed he completed thirty-one of thirty-nine passes, three hundred and seven yards, and they only scored ten points. Uh, Mike Williams, after breaking his drought last week, going to the end zone again for them. Um, but yeah, it was a fairly disappointing game for the Chargers. Obviously, they're they're done. For the year, they were officially eliminated last week and um, LA was pink. Uh, was purple uh, for this one. Yeah. There was some pictures from the ground, again, with 20,000 away fans in there. It's just a bit of a dismal time for the Chargers and I'm not sure it's going to get much better when they're in the Ram stadium next year.
0: Mm, absolutely, and uh, yeah, obviously murmurs coming out about Philip Rivers, unsure about his future as well, but I'm sure we'll get to that in the off-season. Uh, Lawrence, talk to us about your Washington Redskins. Why couldn't they uh, beat my Philadelphia, the Philadelphia Eagles for me?
2: Look, I've just about recovered from last night. Not only did I manage to lose in the full 10 yards Star Fantasy League semi-final by getting I'm crucified. I'm yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> we
0: we'll get to yeah. you later. <laughs> yeah, thank
2: you. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, but I was, I was in a massively bad mood after the Redskins allowed 24th quarter points Including two touchdowns in the last 30 seconds to an Eagles team that was actually losing 27 23 with 24 ticks on the clock left. Absolutely nothing for the Redskins to play for apart from pride. And they did start brightly. I don't know if everyone's seen the, the Dwayne Haskins, Terrence McLaurin 75 yard touchdown, but it was a pretty impressive score. Caught him over the middle. Um McLaurin did most of the work to, to get to the end zone, but he looked fast. And, and it's 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 such a relief to actually have a Redskins receiver that, that can actually catch the ball, that can find the end zone after kind of big disappointments of the like Josh Doxon and people like that. It's it's just great that we've got a young receiver who is is set to to improve even more next season. Mm. So Haskins, actually, Dwayne Haskins, who has only thrown five touchdowns the entire season, you know, if you put it into perspective, Lamar Jackson throws five on Thursday night. Haskins throws five all season. He's managed his second touchdown pass. Um This was to Stephen Sims in the first half. Redskins 14, 10 up at the half. Then, unfortunately, the burgundy and gold turned into midnight green, black charcoal. And silver as the Eagles dumped 27 points on the Redskins, thanks to three Carson Wentz touchdown passes to three different recipients. The best of them being that third quarter touchdown to running back Miles Sanders, Mm, which was an absolute thing of beauty. I mean, I, I, you know, I can't stand the Eagles, but that touchdown was outstanding. It was an absolute laser missile. That went through two Redskins defenders that were standing at the front of the end zone. He got Sanders on the back right hand corner. Sanders was low to the ground. And I think one of the commentators actually said that the reason Sanders caught that ball was out of self-defense. Because I think the ball was was being thrown with with that kind of that much momentum that it probably would have bent his face cage if he hadn't caught it. So down by four. The Eagles produced an outstanding 11-play, 75-yard drive, ending with, I kid you not, Greg Ward's first ever touchdown. And the reason I'm so upset is because he was one of the people that murdered me in the the fantasy semifinals. So, down by three, Dwayne Haskins reverts to tight, gets strip-sacked by Nigel Bradham, the Eagles linebacker, and he, looking like some sort of bodybuilder wearing concrete boots marauded his way down the um, down the sideline for a bonus defensive score as time ran out the Eagles at seven and seven are a hundred percent still in with a playoff shot Um, and I'm not just saying that Tim this is this is this is the reality of where we're at with the NFC with the NFC East and the Redskins I think have only got one thing to look forward to and that is sacking general manager Bruce Allen Mm.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Philadelphia actually home uh, home underdogs uh, next week against Dallas. That could be interesting uh, little hedge hedgeroo there for me. Um, okay, let's move over to the other team in the NFC East: Miami at New York Giants. Of course, uh, the the Wembley game from uh, all those years, uh, all those years ago. Uh, I didn't watch this game. I don't know why you would. Uh, but it ended up being a bit of a points fest. Uh, one of the highest scoring games of the weekend. But just 10-7 uh, at, at the half though. Uh, the Giants pulling away. Uh, not said that many too many times. It's usually the other way around a fast start followed by a capitulation in the second half. A couple of touchdowns here for Saquon Barkley on the way to a 100 yard rushing game for the third time this season. Fifth time this season with over 100 yards scrimmage as well which is quite surprising considering how low key and under the radar he's kind of um, he's, he's kind of taken a back seat so far this season. Obviously a bit of injury as well. But Devontae Parker, he's uh, he got involved in the game as well uh, nine, now 954 yards on the season with eight touchdowns, smashing his previous best, in which was his second season with the Miami Dolphins, 744 yards and four touchdowns. Final score in this one, 22-36. Both teams now 3-11. and 11.
1: Okay, a little podcast secret. We may be 200 episodes in, but the boss is having some technical difficulties. So I'll take up the driving seat. And Adam, I'm going to swing over to yourself, mate, to talk us through Tampa
4: Bay and the Detroit Lions. Yep, Tampa go into Detroit, win 38-17. I was actually quite hopeful that Jameis wasn't going to throw an interception in this one, but he did it on the first series once again. Um, the Lions had only had five interceptions on the year up until this one, so I thought we were on for a clean game from Jameis, but apparently not. But, as always, it didn't affect him. He finished the first quarter with 236 passing yards, um, the most in the first quarter since uh, Peyton Manning in 2004. Uh, the first half finished with him 18 completions from 26 attempts 308 yards three touchdowns one interception um it's it was a typical Jameis game he finished on five 458 yards four touchdowns for the entire game It was just I'll be honest I wouldn't mind if the Bengals took uh Chase Young uh first and paid for Jameis Winston I would be quite happy seeing that kind of entertainment every week um Probably won't happen, but it's uh, nice, to, nice to hope. Um, the leading pass catcher for the Bucks was Chris Godwin, 121 yards off just five receptions. He went out with a, I think, hamstring injury though, so I'd be surprised if we see him again this year, unfortunately. Uh, in his place, um, Bashard Perryman stepped up. He had a career game. He went for 113 yards, scored three touchdowns in the process, and Scotty Miller scored the other one before again. Uh, injuring himself, I think he was definitely a hamstring. So he's out probably for the rest of the season now. So next week could be a very different look for the Buccaneers. Um, On the other side of the ball for them, Shaq Barrett recorded another sack to take him to 16.5 on the season, which is just a remarkable season for him. Uh, The Lions on the other end of it, they were awful first half. They managed to get back into it a little bit in the second half. Um, But it was... It was mainly garbage time uh, and a defensive score. Uh, from what I remember for the Bucks was what took it over, uh, took it out of the Detroit's hands. Um, Wes Hills recently called up from the practice squad, scored two two touchdowns on the day for them, both from short yardage. He had 10 carries for 21 yards in the, in the end with a long of 15. So it kind of shows what game he had. Um, their passing game was non-existent again. Amendola led them for 102 yards. But yeah, it was um, fairly, fairly easy game for the Buccaneers. It was the money was on them all week, and it proved right. There was eleven different pass catches for the Bucks, which was um, kind of interesting. But yeah, typical Jameis game, thirty-eight, seventeen to the Buccaneers.
1: Yeah, nice little win streak that the Bucks are on. And you are not going to throw it over to you for the next one, as unfortunately, if you're an Oakland Raiders fan, you didn't get to say goodbye to Oakland with a victory,
3: as the Jags pinched this one late. It was a final game at the Coliseum. Um, Charles Woodson set off the flame, which meant it all set up to be a, a final hurrah in uh, in Northern California. Um, not what the what the home crowd would have wanted. Um, Darren Waller continues to be a threat for that team. 122 yards on the day. Uh, a guy who's battled back from a lot of adversity is a great story for the league and for the Raiders and their their offense. And I could. A continued uh, battle of the defenses, and ultimately they were the both sides were dominant. The line of scrimmage, it was a TFL and sack fest that dominated the game. A few field goals in there. Tyro Williams getting a a forty-yard touchdown to 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 kick it off, Um, and then it came down to to a bit of late madness. Really, it looked like Oakland had done enough to win the game. Um, There was confusion with the referees in terms of stopping the clock uh, when it appeared. Derek Carr had, had scrambled for a first down and, and, and kept his knee in bounds. And uh, the clock, they stopped the clock, then they started again, then the clock stopped. So it was some, some great adverts for the officiating once more. Um, then they missed two field goals right to death. Um, with the game at 13-16 to Oakland, apparently for running into the kicker. Um, then another, another, another attempt which went wide also. So Minshew then found a way to get them back into the game. Uh, Got another touchdown for Conley late on um, the drive was extended by a foolish Dion Jordans roughing the passer call with 43 seconds to go and uh, Corky Carr and Cote were booed from the field um, as the last of the last game in Oakland as the Raiders a franchise turns their back on the community of Oakland that have been there since 1960, probably the worst element of the sport in its, in its entirety there of up, and in, up up and sticks and leaving a fan base behind. That gets us through the slate of games for week
1: 15. Let's move over to some stats in third down.
4: Third down.
1: Stats. Stats. Okay, here we go then for third down and stats the way. Our heart, our heart, we like it. And let's get straight into it. Ewan, let's come to you. Let me guess, you're going to tell me something about the Houston Texans.
3: Well, that's it. As I told you last time, Sean, after uh, Baker Mayfield was above Watson uh, in the top 100 players, it's uh, going to keep spreading the gospel until we get that fixed this year uh, in the off-season. So, Um, Deshaun Watson was the first player in NFL history to have consecutive season with plus 25 touchdowns and plus 5 rushing touchdowns Um, since Steve Young did it in the 94 season. He's still got got the second consecutive season with two games to go to break that record further.
1: Yeah, I think I certainly think he's going to be ranked above Baker in any offseason uh, list this year. Mate, we'll wait and see. Uh, talking of another quarterback, Lawrence, I know you've got one for us with regards to Jameis Winston.
2: I've got an absolute stunner here for you. Jameis Winston, with his monster game yesterday, is the first player in NFL history to throw 450 yards in back-to-back games. Can you believe that? So if you take that threshold down a little bit lower to 430-yard games, then you've got the likes of Phil Simms back in 1985 and Dan Fouts in 1982, both combining for... um, Phil Simms combined, actually, for more yards in total than Winston. He had 945 yards over a two-game span but Winston, what a, what an achievement, along with that win streak, the first NFL player to throw 450 yards in back-to-back games.
1: Yeah, big congratulations to Jameis. If only he could get rid of those interceptions, he would be awesome. Um, but to be fair, he's shown a bit of improvement in the last couple of weeks, so maybe just taking a bit of a while for that Bruce Arians magic to rub off on him. Uh, Adam, going to finish off with yourself, mate, for this week? Uh, hit us up with one.
4: Yep, I'm going to stick with my own team, uh, Joe Mixon. I've said for weeks now he's running really well. He's making making something for nothing each time and it's been proven by the stats. Since their week nine bye, Joe Mixon is second in touches and second in yards from scrimmage um, in the league, second behind, unsurprisingly, Christian McCaffrey. Uh, he's had 143 touches and 745 combined yards in that time. Um, so there's hope for, hope yet for the Bengals' future uh, if they get that offensive line sorted out.
1: Yeah, absolutely mate, I know you've been big on him all year and he's certainly got plenty of talent in that backfield, like you say, if they can get him a bit more of a stellar line to run behind then potentially some good things can happen there. Uh, let's move on then to our favourite little corner where we will hopefully speak about some questionable decisions, whether it be from the coaches or refs, in Jason Garrett corner.
0: All you do, Jason Garrett, is clap your hands. All you do, Jason Garrett, is clap your hands. Jerry plays you like a puppet. You really are a puppet. It's four from one. Don't do it. Just clap your hands.
1: Okay, let's open up Jason Garrett-Corner and I suppose let's start with what was bizarrely the biggest talking points, it seemed, of the weekend. Possibly an indictment on the fact that the game was a blowout. But let's have a little talk around how you toss a coin in the NFL because it dominated the light window as the Cowboys call for a kick as opposed to a defer and all hell breaks loose. Lawrence, I know you were particularly annoyed with this. Just uh, give us your view on it.
2: Yeah, I mean, normally, the only time you're ever going to talk about a coin toss is one of those um, Super Bowl bets, one of those proposition bets for the Super Bowl. Oh, is it going to be heads or tails? And that's all you hear about coin tosses for an entire season. And then we have this this, this game with two teams within, in playoff contention, trying to fight a game. Obviously, Todd Gurley decided not to show up, but... Aside from that, you you kind of, you got a contest and all they spoke about for the entire first half, the the commentators was about this, this coin to us, oh, you know, the conspiracy theory, did Dak Prescott actually say something? Oh, well, the third time we played back the audio, we managed to just about hear Dak Prescott say he's deferred it. and, And then, oh, let's cut in. We've managed to find a clip where he said the word deferred. And I'm like, for goodness sake, just shut up about this. Let's enjoy the game. It was it was absolutely ridiculous. So I think we need to put the the we need to put the commentators in Jason Garrett Corner this week for just talking about it too much. Yep,
1: yeah, certainly can't disagree with that, mate. Another one that was quite a hot topic, and again, people probably just need to calm down a little bit. Adam and I, you saw a lot of this uh, chatter on Twitter last night, but obviously Sky's red zone coverage didn't start on time and it got a few people hot under the collar, uh, hot under the collar even, and probably venting their anger in the wrong
4: place. Yeah, Neil Reynolds um, I had to take to Twitter today to say stop sending me emails, stop sending me abusive messages, it has nothing to do with me. Um, yeah, it's a bit ridiculous, really. They were showing uh, an NBA game from the night before, so it wasn't even live. That went, to, I believe it went to overtime as well. Obviously, I wasn't watching, I was on um, Game Pass, so I wasn't really that fussed, but yeah, there was a lot of very annoyed people about that one. Yeah, just to rub salt in the wound, not only a basketball game, but one
1: that goes to overtime, just to delay it even more. I did find yeah. that quite funny. Uh, and Ewan, I'm going to throw one that is actually a coach's decision over to yourself, because it was in the game that you were watching. In my opinion, quite possibly one of the worst telegraphed fake punch you will ever see at the end of the first half, when the Titans are driving, obviously behind 14 nothing on the scoreboard at this stage. What on earth was that call from Mike Vrabel? Um, I think we, you know, any of us could have seen what was coming as the Titans attempted a deep pass with their punter, as opposed to one of the hottest quarterbacks in the NFL at the moment.
3: Yeah, I think, I think Romo called out on the broadcast that he thought they might go for it, and then it kind of looked like <laughs> it looked pretty obvious. So yeah, it was, it was a strange one. I think Vrabel tries to tries to um, go go off piste a bit and and, and and bring things in. Um, he did it in the fixture last year, and they scored on special teams touchdown so a kind of similar play but um wasn't I don't think it was the loop they were necessarily wanting for and then just so happened that the the probably our best cover corner on special teams Bonnie Johnson second round pick this year was was on there and it was just an easy one just had to stretch out but knock it down and yeah big uh big big moment in the game to do that I think and give away a cheap field field position but yeah I think Brable thinks he's like to do that he was very uh Short with the press after I don't know if it was part of his decision making or part of the way his team played, but uh, he's usually quite a calm, calm sort of mannered, mannered individual. So he was obviously irate at the, the press and uh, and certainly had some choice words for uh, for them in some of the line of questioning.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely, and uh, obviously further compounded when you look at that final score. Maybe a 54-yard field goal would have been the more prudent thing to have tried, uh, but if you are going to pass, surely leave your quarterback on there. Um, that's going to wrap us up in terms of third down I should just actually point out that Tim did share with me his stats life before he got disconnected so I'll just share that with the listeners That's just a nice shout out to the Buffalo Bills who made their first Sunday night football appearance since week 11 way back in the 2007 season with their game against the Steelers last night In that span since, the Steelers have appeared on 38 Sunday night football games and have actually won 22 in that time frame. But obviously the Bills come up big last night, so congratulations to them and good to see some other teams getting some primetime coverage. Talking of primetime coverage, that will link us nicely into fourth down as we start talking about those teams that occupy the playoff positions. (laughs) just two weeks to go so these places becoming more and more crystal clear by the week let's start off in the AFC this week where the Ravens obviously continue to have their stranglehold on the number one seed at 12-2 and two, and they obviously own the tiebreaker over the Patriots so Pretty much guaranteed, I would suggest that that's going to be where they end up. Um, they can obviously clinch it officially this weekend. Patriots, with that win over the Bengals, um, at now 11-3 and three in the second seed. Chiefs getting good at the right time, you would suggest 10-4 and four in the third seed. And the Texans, obviously the big win over the Titans, means that they still occupy the fourth seed as the divisional leader in the AFC South wild cards bills confirmed in the postseason congratulations to them at a 10 and four record they obviously have a huge game on Saturday against the Patriots which we will look forward to previewing later in the week and the six seed despite the defeat last night still remains with the Pittsburgh Steelers at eight and six. Officially, there are four teams still in the hunt in the AFC. I'll let you make up your own minds how realistic any of these opportunities will be. Certainly the Titans is realistic at eight and six because they're obviously not only in contention for wildcard, but also potentially for divisional reckoning. The other three that are still mathematically alive are the Colts, who obviously have still got to play their week 15 game with the Saints on Monday Night Football. They're at six and seven. And then two six and eight sides, the Browns and the Raiders, respectively, mathematically, are still in play. Uh, Ewan, I'm going to come to yourself on this one, being a AFC team uh, that you follow and obviously the Texans. Do you see anything happening in terms of the wild card in particular? And as I said, probably your division is the only one that's obviously still up for grabs.
3: No, I don't think so. It's, I'm just looking that if the Bills were to beat the Patriots, then... Their division and conference record would be, so the Bills would then head them on a conference record because their divisional record would be the same. Um, so in terms of wins, I'm not quite sure how that boils down in terms of that. But certainly, the Patriots have got a much bigger points differential. So um, yeah, I think I, mean, it's, it's pretty, I think it's pretty set. I think um, really, I think the, the Pittsburgh Steelers are hanging in there is probably the team that people would like to. Like to face up, face up against you, and you think they're going, going to be it unless Tennessee win out. But I can't see them beating the Saints next week. Uh, and I gave that the Saints, need to win.
1: Yeah, it'll be interesting finish. Like I say, probably only realistically one or two sides in the hunt, although still officially four, still playing for position. NFC, Sir so Lawrence, I'll come to you for your views on this shortly, just to run through the standings. Seahawks back in the one seed at 11 and the three. And the Packers same record eleven and three in the second seed. Saints again obviously as we've mentioned with a game to play at ten and three occupy the third seed. And by virtue of leading the NFC East, the Cowboys in the fourth seed despite only a seven and seven record. Wildcards obviously looking strong here. The 49ers confirmed in the playoffs, as you'd expect, with an eleven and three record. And the Vikings at ten and four occupy the sixth seed. The Rams, technically speaking, are still just about alive, but obviously they need to win out and hope the Vikings lose out. And the Eagles, obviously, are the other team still alive. And as we've said, what seems to be for about the last month or so now, that is just a straight fight between them and Dallas. So, Lawrence, let's put you on the spot. Um, who's going to win that NFC East? Because let's be honest, that's realistically the only question that's still on the lips when it comes to the NFC playoff
3: picture.
2: I hate to say it, but I'm I'm sticking with the Cowboys. They were my pre season prediction. So I'm gonna have to to go with my gut. Without, you know, anything that happens to Zeke, then that that season, the Cowboy season is completely over. Zeke is just about keeping them um, in the hunt. And I think that's that superior running game, obviously with Tony Pollard backing up. They just have the edge over the Eagles in terms of that running game, which isn't quite as solid. And the Cowboys' offensive line, which hasn't been magnificent, it still has massive potential. And I can see, you know, I can see the Cowboys winning that division at 8-8 eight and eight and then causing a bit of an upset and, and at least winning their wild card and, and then taking a divisional game and making things very interesting in that final eight i've got the i've got the saints actually finishing as the nfc number 1 seed so even though they're sitting there at the number 3 at the moment i've got them finishing as number 1 and i've got the seahawks having a massive win over the 49ers at the end of the season to get the number 2 seed so that would obviously move the packers down into into number 3 so Interesting times ahead, but I've I've got the Seahawks to, to rise um, and and get that number two seed. Yeah, it'll
1: be interesting to see how it all shakes out in the end. Uh, Adam, as we celebrate episode 200, it would be wrong of me not to bring you in at this point, just to get your view on it, particularly probably from a betting perspective. Any sides that you've seen any particular value in at the minute when we talk about the postseason? season um, Any of the outsiders that actually represent a bit of value or is all the money just essentially coming for either the Ravens or you know, probably the 49ers or Seahawks who've been obviously up there as, as divisional leads throughout the majority of the campaign?
4: Yeah, unfortunately, not much for you, to be honest. Yeah, the, the money's coming for the Ravens. It's too late, really, if you want on bat on them. I, I don't think it's really worth the value now. Um, I had it as uh, Ravens and KC as the top two seeds in the AFC. I think uh, the Patriots are going to slip up. They're they're just really not not the team they were. Um, I think the Titans are going to scrape in, hopefully ahead of the Steelers, because the Steelers are just horrible to watch um, at the moment. So I'm hoping that the Titans and the Bills get the wildcard slots in the AFC. Um, NFC, I had it the same as... um, as Lawrence did there with um, Saints and Seahawks as the top two, I think I think the Vikings are going to beat the pa- uh, the Packers in their rematch, and I don't know whether that gives them the the, the division above them. Uh, I don't know whether you guys know that whether the because it will split them in the division, and I don't know whether it will give Minnesota the the overall tiebreaker against the Packers, but I've got them winning the North uh, hopefully. And yeah, unfortunately, Dallas winning the East and then the 49ers, as ridiculously as ridiculous as it seems, um, as the wildcards with probably 12 13 wins. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. the Packers
2: are four and Packers are four and oh in their division and eight and two in the conference. Vikings are two and two in the division and seven and three in the conference.
4: So it would, yeah, it'd be the division record that let them down then.
1: Always fun at this time here Get your calculators And your abacuses out Somehow the Raiders And the Browns Are still technically alive So that that shows you How complicated The playoff scenarios Can be Um, Because trust me now And I'm sure Adam Wouldn't give me Any odds at all Neither the Browns Or the Raiders Are making the postseason I don't care what The NFL.com Playoff picture will tell me That wraps us up For fourth down And the referees Are running in We best get out of here Gents It's time for the Two minute warning
2: that's the two-minute
1: warning. Okay, two minutes left to go. We usually wish through what's available for you at fulltenyards.com, but I don't think everyone's pretty much up to speed with where we are these days. We hope to be your place to go to for all your college, all your fancy, all of your betting and NFL action. And really just as, uh, as a sort of special call-out as we reach episode 200, as a big thank you to any single person that has listened, whether it's to one of our podcasts or all 200 we love doing what we do. We enjoy talking about the NFL and all things that come with it. And, you know, there'd be no need for us to be here if no one was listening. So a massive thank you to anyone who takes out the time out of their week to listen to us. If you read our articles and listen to the advice from the boys, whether it's for your fancy football lineups or for, you know, Adam's betting tips and he makes you a few quid of a weekend, you know, again, we appreciate each and every single one of you. Uh, We look forward to growing even further and, you know, fingers crossed we'll be at some point in the next season talking about episode 300. And fingers crossed, boys, there might not be quite so many technical difficulties when we get to episode 300 as we've had tonight. Uh, Final call out just from all of us that are remaining on the pod is a big, big thank you to the boss himself, Mr. Timothy Lambert Monk, who obviously set this up in his uh, wisdom a while ago and a big thank you to Tim for, you know, bringing us all on board and giving us the platform and the opportunity to share our thoughts and views with you. I know he will obviously be personally disappointed to have not been on to end the 200th episode. but uh, Hopefully mate, we've done you proud and long may it continue. Right, boys, I think that's enough gushing for one week. Um, let's get out of here and say goodbye. Then there's plenty of us to say goodbye this week. So it's goodbye from Lawrence.
2: Take care, everybody.
1: It's goodbye from Ewan. Thank you. Cheers, guys. And it's goodbye from Adam. Good day. And in the great words of Kevin Cadle, it's bye-bye for now. Bye-bye.